This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, the Town Hall Academy. Good to have you here. Last year, we did an Outlook 2024 with the Aftermarket Radio Network team. Why not do it in 2024? Here's my team. Hey, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Glad to have you here. Matt Fonzo is with us, diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. Hi, Matt. Hello, sir. Glad to have you here. Hunt Demarest, Business by the Numbers podcast. Morning, Carm. Good to have you here, Chris. Coach Chris Cotton, Auto Fix Auto Shop Coaching in the Weekly Blitz. All tan and ready to go. Yeah, I know. In the green room, we had to hear all about the great trip that you guys went on a cruise with the Walkers and Kim Walkers here from Shop Marketing Pros and the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. Hey, everybody. Wow, guys. Thank you so much. We've got great talking points. It's an important dialogue, I think, to have with these industry leaders to talk about 2024. There's a lot going on. By the time this releases, I would have been to Max, which was at the end of January, early February, did the keynote there, excited to go to the Mobile Air Climate Systems Conference, and also Vision's coming up. If you've not booked Vision yet, Please get there. Matt Fonslow is going to do some stuff there. Hunt, you're going to be teaching a class. Kim and Chris, are you guys going to teach anything there this year? Nope, nothing this year. All right. Well, uh, every once in a while, in order to wait for the greatness, you have to wait a year or two, right? (laughs) There you go, right? I get all that stuff. Hey, we want to thank so much our great sponsor, Napa Tracks. Did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? Well, it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Tracks is the single best shop management system in the business. Find Napa Tracks on the web at N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Look at prevailing winds. There's so much going on with speculation on the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm only kidding. Because uh, recording this the day after there were the uh, AFC and NFC championships, and now the Super Bowl is set. There's some unhappy people on this. I'll be one of them, by the way, Hunt. (laughs) I'll be one of them. You are a victim of this too, Carm, so you can commiserate with me. Yes, I can. Thank you. Prevailing wins, you know, competition, economy, bay productivity, our future language, AI. We've done shows on a lot of this stuff, but I want to consolidate it together so someone can get on this show, listen to this, and say, yeah, there's some things I need to pay attention to. Hunt, you were telling me that the third quarter just was not as good as the previous year. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing here that I get questions from a lot of people, Chris and I have talked about this a good bit, but a lot of times, you know, talking to coaches is like, hey, how are other shops doing? How are you reporting sales and stuff like that? And I think that the biggest thing that we've noticed is COVID, when we first had COVID happen, everyone was terrified. Everyone really thought that we were in for a very bad year and maybe a very bad future year, but it ended up being the exact opposite. With some of the slowdown and we saw gangbuster businesses really through the better part of 2023, Now, there's still a lot of people that have been immune from any sort of pullback and have just been rocking and rolling. Starting the third quarter of last year, though, it's getting back to more of what we were used to seeing pre-COVID. Some of my clients are making good money. Some of them are blowing stuff out of the water. Some of them are just hanging on. And some of them are really starting to slow down. Like you said, it's really looking at the numbers and looking at the data. Some of it makes sense. Other stuff doesn't, right? If you look at it, hey, I think that a lot of this is coming from stuff is costing more money. People are are not making more money and people have no money. And so a lot of the feedback I've gotten from shops is, hey, Matt, it's not that I don't trust your DVI. It's not that I didn't like your advertising. Why am I going to come in there? I know it's broken. I don't have any money. I can't
can't borrow money. My credit card is maxed out. And that's, I think, one of these battles that's very tricky because you know, I'd love to hear Kim's thought on this. And Matt, if you've seen this stuff too, how do you try and get around that? Because a lot of people look at this and say, marketing is working. These people are seeing it. Are we fighting an invisible object here, an invisible situation that, hey, I don't care how good the advertising is. They don't have money to pay for it. No offense, but it doesn't really help my business that much. Matt, you've been shaking your head through his entire talk there. Oh, yeah. Nodding. I mean, he stole all my stuff, all my thunder. <laughs> I saw your notes. So, yeah, I just was like, let me just read Matt's part. And then that's why I sent mine. Carmen Trace, they're like, what notes? <laughs> Matt, here's bullet points and might as well be handouts. <laughs> so I would say that I thought last year, 2023, that we would be experiencing like a downturn that we would be lucky to maintain what we did in 2022, which 2021, 2022 were absolute gangbusters. They were. For 2023, we still experienced 20% growth. Can't ignore that it wasn't the same, meaning we had quite a few more cars come through and we had to work harder on our DVIs and maintaining contact with clients to come back and get work done that we found. So maybe we found... $2,000 worth of work on their vehicle and their first visit, first quarter of 2023, we had to kind of keep on them a little bit, just remind them more than anything to come back in. So instead of getting maybe that 2000 right away, like we would have in 2021, 2022, we had to drag it out over the course of the year, if that makes sense. It does, Matt. What did you see in the fourth quarter? Honestly, last week we had a couple slow days, but otherwise it's been pretty normal. But Sometimes I feel like we're a bad example to compare to other shops. And it's not because we're so freaking awesome. We're really, really lucky geographically. We're in a smallish town located in two for sure metropolitan areas and then a just under metropolitan area. We service all makes all models and we do work that others don't get into like heavy diagnostics and programming and aid us. We have income streams that a lot of other shops don't that give us access that others don't. And if we're comparing ourselves to some shop located maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes north or south of us where they're closer to the metropolitan areas, they don't have as easy access to that as we do. So we're kind of a special case in some cases and by luck. There's some talking points from Kim and or Brian. Brian Walker couldn't be here. He's got some medical thing going on. But I think part of that discussion was don't be competing with anyone else. Compete with yourself. Matt said this word, awesome. I just want to keep that as a placeholder. And as we're talking about economy, Chris, I want to go to you. What do you see going on with your clients? And then we can maybe put this economy thing to bed. Real quick, and you're going to have to keep me focused in here, Carm. I want to go back and touch on credit cards for just a minute. I sent Hunt the link and I just shared it in the private chat here. This is a report I got this morning talking about credit card delinquencies, things like that. The credit card companies, when you look at that as a whole, the credit card companies own $400 billion in money, accounts receivable, whatever from the people. So their write-offs are up compared to, it was comparing December to November last year. So their write-offs are up as far as bad debt that they're writing off and delinquencies are up. So when you think about that, the other thing that concerns me is if you go and read what's been propping the stock market up, tech stocks. But if you go and look, they're the people that are laying everybody off right now. So we have what's beginning to be massive layoffs, 
credit card debt skyrocketing. Everybody says the economy's fine. At some point, this train's got to stop. I also put in my notes that it's all BS, that the train's going to keep going and we just got to be prepared for it. But the important thing is to be prepared. Now, to go back to your question, I think, honestly, my clients are doing great. We, we spent a lot of time with Brian and Kim this last week. Some people are seeing slowdown. I'm not. Like, my clients are doing really, really well. One of the things, though, is I'm not allowing them to get in the mindset of oh, it's January, we're slow. That's just not something that I will accept. We took on a new client towards the end of last year. They came to me in January and was like, oh, January's always slow. We're just prepared for it. We're going to do, and this is a shop in New York. We usually do about $120,000 in January and it is what it is. And I said, no, it's not acceptable. Your goal for January is a quarter of a million dollars in sales and I'm not going to accept anything less. Now you and I have to figure out how to get us there. So before I went on my trip, we had to get together and halfway through the month, they were already at 120,000 sales. So it's better than they've ever done, but it's just a mindset shift. Like they had somebody, pardon the term, it's not a term that's maybe PC, but somebody's got their foot on their neck and they're like, I will not accept that BS from you, figure it out. And so that's where we're at. And so far, knock on wood, all my people are doing really, really well. But I don't know. It just seems weird. Hunt can probably speak to that way more than I can. I love the slap in the head that you gave this client, Chris. <laughs> that's what they pay us. That's my point. Accountability, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not going to hold your hand. I mean, some of this is like you said of, you know, so many people have resigned to the fact of, oh, it's just going to stink. It always stinks. It's like, well... It's going to. If you think you can or you can't, you're right. And that's where you see a lot of this, especially during COVID, right? How many people are like, well, we're just never going to make any money and they didn't. How many people said, I don't care. I'm going to still do everything that I possibly can and just not allow this to affect me. Yeah, 100%. But this is all about numbers. This is all about your specific business. And that's where I get so careful. Some people look at, hey, I'm going to look at Matt's business. Unless you're one of Matt's competitors, probably not a whole lot that you can compare to that. If you're in California, why the heck are you looking at someone in metropolitan Boston? Some aspects are universal. Most of this stuff, unless you're within a mile, it's probably just circumstances or just by chance that it might be comparisons. TV sets so much of our mindset and how we think and look at things. And and I think it was Kim or you, Kim or Brian, it says, turn the TV off. Now, if you watch TV and you get this high, high level view of the challenges that we have, but where are we all living? We're living in this, if you will, middle, lower, real world where the people in the house and the kids and everything around us exist. We let that, if you will, that umbrella push us into an attitude. We can't get over the fact that credit card debt is right and we're living beyond our means and we're not making any more money and things cost more. And just came back the other day. We shouldn't bought something in like a year. And she goes, I just can't believe how much this is. Well, if, if that's for everyone else, then no matter where the stock market goes, no matter how many new jobs we're creating, no matter if inflation is down, we still have to deal with our clients that are experiencing that lower level pressure. It's a great point. And I think we need to keep that in mind with our service advisors at our counter and all of that interaction that we're having with our clients to the pure point that everyone is saying that the deferred work isn't coming in like it should but we can still grow our business. Kim, to you and all these great talking points that you have. Feel like I need a congratulations that I kept my mouth shut for like 14 minutes. Y'all know me well enough to know that that is we a big a mute, deal. We have a mute button. <laughs> yeah, Carm just had you yeah. on mute there. <laughs> yeah, on this trip, actually, that we were just on with Chris and Kimberly, my niece 
is desperately looking for a job. And we all hear, oh, there's jobs everywhere. There's jobs everywhere. And so she's looking for a CSM type position and I've been helping her and sharing her resume and stuff. A couple of days ago, she messaged me feeling really kind of down. And she's like, I keep hearing everybody talking about how terrible the economy is. And you know, she starts naming all this stuff. And I replied to her and I'm like, who are you listening to? And so I think it's super important. You can't argue the facts. Like Chris just laid out stuff with regard to credit card charge-offs. And I was listening also to the news. But if we focus on that, it's funny, Carm, you were saying that either Brian or I said this. So Brian sent in his talking points to you. I didn't look at them. And then I sent mine and we kind of were both saying the same thing So because we share a brain. But I think the mindset piece is super important when we're looking at the outlook for the coming year is, is just capturing those thoughts. And, and aligning them with what's true. Like, who are you listening to? Who are you receiving information from? What are you allowing to live in your head? Who's taking up space there? With our clients, our CSMs, we have a great news channel in our Slack and they often come in there and report what people are saying. And it's funny to me how we can have a massive handful of people who are doing so great on the same day, we get some who are like, the world's falling apart. And as a former teacher, specifically loving science, you're kind of inspiring me. I almost want to do my own science fair project here and have our CSMs start tracking who is sharing positive, great news and who's sharing grim, the sky is falling, the world is going to be terrible, but also track along with that what their mindset is. Are they positive or who are they listening to? You know what I mean? Like really just start paying attention to that. I think it's a big piece. And the more shops are attending conferences and listening to other shops, or they get into some of these groups on Facebook and we're here, like we have to be very intentional about who we're listening to, who we're allowing to take up space in our mind and what we're doing with those thoughts. I think it's just absolutely critical. So one of the things that I heard you say is shop owners are being reactive. If you're always trying to catch up, then you're always behind and you're always screwed, so to speak. So you have to be on the front side of all of this and make sure you're proactive. So if your head's buried in the sand and you can't work on your business, these are the situations you're going to be in. And these are the people that are going to fail. Well, I think even more on that, Chris, and right, like this is what you were talking about before of why people hire you to be that peace of mind, to be that sounding board, to ask this stuff is reactive can be very dangerous because it's like, well, are you even doing the correct thing? A reaction based on the numbers, but some of this should be looked at as, do I actually need to change anything? Like, am I doing the right stuff? I'm marketing, I'm getting it out there, I'm following up with customers, or it was not a good month. Does that mean that we didn't do something right or something outside of it? So it means, hey, let's just spend less money advertising. Let's not follow up with people. A lot of this is, is like this industry is one of the most volatile industries, even on a good day. Your weeks are controlled by someone else. You can't really schedule out months. And so it's kind of feast or famine. And a lot of times it's just telling people of like, I get it. You lost 30 grand last month. You made $110,000 a month before that. So I wouldn't look at that as a really good month, really bad month. You look at that. Hey, you made 40,000 spread between the two of it. There's peaks and valleys. And sometimes it's just sticking the course and not getting too caught up in some of this short-term success, just as much as short-term failure. You blew it out of the water for August. But think about it. It's August. 
this is probably the most money that you are going to make this year. So when you don't make as much money in September, you don't need to beat yourself up too bad. But that's where the fine line is. It's like, what stuff do you draw a conclusion from? And what stuff do you say? I'm just not going to listen to all the noise. I'm just going to stay the course here. Hunt and I talked about this on a podcast a while ago called Regression to the Mean. It's statistical. You can step back and try to get your emotions out of it. Even your logic. Maybe a month is too granular. Maybe you're just zoomed in too far. Back up a little bit. Just relax and wait for the trends to play out. You get too reactive. You're trying to change something that doesn't need to be changed and you can make it worse. Think about the timing on it. Like Kim, right back to you guys. Like, hey, I just hired Kim last week and I don't even have any more cars. This stuff takes time, good and bad. If you have a good month, you're not going to feel it for 30 days. If you have a bad month, you're not going to feel that for 30 days until you have that parts bill from the previous month hit. Mm -hmm. And so all this stuff is, it's not as real time as the rest of our life is right now. And I would say, you know, Chris was talking about that client that he had for this month. They were looking at, well, this, you know, this is January is going to be slow. I think it's important that we're looking at what was our January last year and we're using that as a baseline, but not as an excuse. Like comparing ourselves to ourselves, but of saying of like, let's put it in perspective, but also not just to be able to safety blanket of, well, I didn't have a good month last year either. All right. If it was up to us, if it was completely our control, there was no consumer confidence aspect, would I be doing to make this better? At least then you can say, it still might be a bad month, but I know that I did everything that I could. I advertised, I called back customers, mm-hmm. I got to know them, I got to really see what's making these decisions on it. It still didn't work out, but that's the long-term play. Don't change your long-term plans based on short-term failures or even sometimes short-term success either. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week, and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at Napatrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Life has these cycles and these ebb tides. We have to learn to live with them and we can't get ourselves into the lowest of lows because we had one bad month to your point, Hunt. Yeah, even some of that is I have people are like, man, I lost so much money this month. It's like you paid an $18,000 property tax bill. Your overhead is $18,000 more expensive than any of our other months. Yeah, of course it didn't look good. You had to pay property tax every single month. It'd be a completely different business. And there is a prime example of someone looking at this, be like, I had a bad month. I need to change my behavior. You need to do absolutely nothing different. Now, don't continue to pay that property tax bill every single month because you will go out of business. (laughs) But that's the kind of stuff where people get caught up in that micro view. I know September looked really bad because you had to pay 18,000. Step back, look at January through September. If you didn't Mm -hmm. see how the sausage was made, you'd be very happy with the end result here. So don't overreact too much. This is astonishing. And I don't know, like probably Hunt and I have this. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. It shocks me how many times we have this conversation and it shocks me on Facebook. Facebook and everything else where people are like, oh my gosh, Christmas is here. I'm broke. Well, it comes the same day every year. 
And you're the probably reason, broke before that. You just didn't you're know. You're probably that. broke. Yeah, it just didn't share itself. So this is all poor planning on everybody's part. Like, you know, the taxes are done. And this is why we talk about, you know, profits and cash flow, setting money aside, making sure that it's it's in an account ready to go. That way, when the tax man cometh, you just stroke a check and you're done. If you're a shop owner or manager who has a background in auto repair, if you look at a lab scope on any flat signal that looks flat from a certain time base, like zoomed out, you start zooming in, you see all sorts of activity, but you know, while it's true, it doesn't really matter as compared to the zoomed out version. It's the same thing with a business. Start breaking things down by whatever you want, the minute, the hour, the day, you're going to have noise. You're going to have these up and downs that don't mean as much as you think they do. You got to back up. Well, it's kind of the opposite, Matt, because if you're looking at it and you're measuring the voltage on it and you don't have a scope, you're looking at you're saying, well, hey, nothing. But you know, if you look at the scope, every shop owner, if they're coming from a technician background, is always going from the most simple to the most complicated. And yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive because you're like, no, don't get out the Pico scope for your financials. All that extra noise that you love to see on a car that helps you diagnose that vehicle actually is probably giving you pretty bad information when you're looking in a financial aspect. That's yeah, a, exactly. You're looking at I these love that longer, term, longer term trends rather than these very quick anomalies. Matt, would you get together with Hunt and do an episode on that? Your financials is not your Picoscope. <laughs> get the editors ready. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> all good. Tracy's going to mute both of us on that one. She'd be like, no, yeah. She's going to have to dye her hair white to hide it, <laughs> hide all the gray. Uh, Hunt, I want to go back to you because one of the things that you had told me about thinking of this episode were interest rates, loan defaults, debt to spending. I don't want to delve too much into this economy because it's, if you will, it's big top stuff, but it does trickle down. We can go through all the numbers and stuff on there where like everyone is looking from a numbers perspective is like, it doesn't look very good, but why is no one talking about this? And we cannot overlook that this is an election year, that perception is very different than reality in a number of years, but there is obviously going to be even bigger twists because of the stakes that are at hand in November and stuff like that. But I think going back to what I kind of joked about before is like when the Federal Reserve and stuff like that looks at some of these numbers, they think that every single American is a logical consumer and they're looking at their budget and they're looking at their forecast. And like Chris said, I'm going to be broke. If I continue on this trend of spending and my income in six months, I am going to be in a very bad spot. When real Realistically, most Americans think as long as I'm not bouncing checks, as long as my credit card is still swiping, things are good. It's an on or an off switch. And that's where the consumer confidence stuff really comes in a lot more on this. And I've seen some of the euro and higher income and, and higher repair order shops struggling a little bit more because some of those are a little bit more educated or it might not be something where it's like, I do not need my 911 to run to get to work. This is a toy car. But with the market stuff going on there, I'm a little bit leery about spending that cash. The other side of things, if you look at a shop that is A to B transportation, these are used vehicles, these are not higher dollar. It's like, I need this. I know that the hub is bad and I really cannot afford it, but I can't afford to miss work. So that's really what we're seeing here is that no matter what you look at, you could look at it as a glass half full or half empty. And one of the things that really, really helped the automotive over this last three year period is if you look at any other time where we have that much growth and that good of an economy, it's generally very bad for the aftermarket because the economy is too good. If Matt gives a big repair order, a big invoice, I'm like, well, I'm just trading that in. I'll go buy a new one. But what happens when new ones are 30,000 above MSRP? What happens when the used market is even out of control? And so what we're seeing there is, like Chris was talking about credit cards going up, people that went out and paid 100 
140 grand for a hundred thousand dollar Escalade, handing that back into the bank, astronomically higher levels than we've ever seen before. Do you think that that's going to help shops when they say, I don't want the payment of a new vehicle or I can't afford to pay a new vehicle? I have no choice but to fix my vehicle. And even we're not going to go down the EV world and stuff like that. There's a lot of vehicles out on the road now. There is not a new version. If you love your Toyota Highlander and you do not want a hybrid, well, then you better fix what you have because all the new ones are V6 hybrids. So we're almost starting to see a heyday of if you want that kind of vehicle that you have right now, there's not going to be a newer version. You better fix what you have and take care of it, which every shop owner should hear that. Wow, dollar signs. You know, that's shifting the way that I'm having these conversations with customers. That's getting to know them of if you really want to keep this vehicle, we better start taking care of this now because you can't decide 180,000 miles. Maybe I'm really going to start doing preventative maintenance. It's too late because no, you cannot go and replace this with one that just rolled off the factory floor. It just doesn't exist anymore. Kim, we're going to continue to be in the face of our customer and grow ourselves and market ourselves and be involved in the community. You've always said this, you've been on a soapbox with it. Video is it, baby. Yeah, it's not new. It's funny to me how, you know, every year we talk about the top trends in marketing. And for the longest time, the word authenticity was the trend that was being repeated year after year because consumers weren't feeling it. And so they were still looking for it. The same thing is true for video. The stats are out there everywhere about how much consumption there is in video. How many people are watching this podcast, maybe through YouTube, they'd rather watch. And so we're doing the same thing with our clients. We actually have a Shop Marketing Pros client-only video contest happening right now as we speak. And we encouraged our clients and it's just for fun. Like it's just to get them behind the camera on their phone and get familiar with using it. And maybe for the first time someone's doing it and realizing, well, that really wasn't so bad and it'll spark something in them so that they start doing it more and more. And we only wanted 10 people to participate. And then we're going to pick a winner randomly and give them some video prize pack. But we're having to do these things just to inspire people and get them motivated to jump in there and participate. And once they start, then they start seeing the results of it and how powerful it is. And so, yeah, it's not new. Video has been around for a very long time, but we're still begging people to get in there and start using it. It's absolutely something that we're still seeing and we're still talking about the importance of it and the results that come from it. So yeah, video, video, video. And one of the things you guys talk about, or Brian and I have talked about, and I think he's done several things on it. Doesn't have to be perfect. Bad video is better than no video. And I'll tell you, I kind of procrastinated on the video myself <laughs> as I told everybody they needed to do video. But really, it's so easy now to do video for all you people that are listening. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I can drop the edited version of my stuff into AI and it gives me the notes, the timestamps, blog posts, emails, everything else. And then I can take the video and, and plug it into a different AI and it gives me one minute videos to put on YouTube for the YouTube shorts. There's absolutely no excuse other than the fact that you're just lazy to do video. Well, well the biggest thing we hear all the time is I don't like the way I look or I don't like the way I sound. Nobody does. Well, yeah, it's, That's what I say. Every time I'm like, yeah, you and every other person. You just got to do it. We don't all have Brian's voice and Carmen charisma. <laughs> what people always say too is, do you know that you sound exactly the same when it's not recording? That's right. really the big like yeah. mental aspect is like, well, ask anyone that you know. It's like, they'll say that looks exactly like you and it sounds exactly like you because yeah. it is you. 
the whole reason why the aftermarket and the smaller businesses, what we're talking about here, succeed is they are not a national chain. They have culture. They have people behind it. They're not just a Firestone or whatever. But if you look at some of their websites and some of their social media page, it looks like a regional chain. There is nothing custom. It's all generic. It's nothing about the team, not even any pictures inside the shop of who's there. Like you said, like that's what people want is a personal connection. Quick video going around of saying, let me go ask the guys what kind of vehicles they drive. What is your least favorite vehicle to work on? If you are recommending one to your teenage daughter, this stuff writes itself. Just think about the last 10 questions that you got asked by your customers coming in. What is TPMS sensor? I don't care. Guys, just put a video out there. Good news is if people don't like it, they just won't listen to it. They won't watch it. But I guarantee you that more of them will watch it just to watch you and understand, learn more about your business than actually what you're talking about in there. All right, let me clear this whole sound of your voice thing up. I just have to clear it with you because it happened to me back in the day when in college and I joined the college radio station and we, of course, had to record ourselves and people were helping us try to be better at what we did. And I go, says, is that how I really sound? He says, what do you mean? Doesn't sound like you? And then I had to do some research and find out from the pros that say you hear yourself completely different than the world hears you because it resonates through your head and your bones and your ears and you hear a different version of you. And so, by the way, daughter Tracy, I don't like how I sound. And I says, I've been through that, Trace. We have to get over that. <laughs> it's something you have to get over. So if you can get over the fact that you do sound like you hear yourself coming back at you through audio or video, then move on and start doing the things that, to your point, whatever goes out, the last 10 questions on, I love that. I got to buy a car. Sally came in the other day and she said this, and I started to ask these questions. And all of a sudden you're becoming in social media, in your community, the go-to person about getting a new car for your son, your daughter. Matt, I would love to hear, have you done anything in social, in video for the shop in your market or any other area that you could help shed some light on this? No, not really. <laughs> I knew where that was going. Yeah, I just really haven't. You do a podcast, which we'll podcast, give you half credit on that. Yeah, Scanner Danner, uh, premium stuff. But yeah, as marketed to clients, no. Radio, I guess radio ads, I go up and kind of answer questions that people send in. But you're also very involved in your community as well, too. Right. You know, you're doing an old school of, you know, face to face where people are getting that connection as well, too, which is, again, that also works as well. I dread. I struggle enough the way it is with questions. People ask me a question and they want a concise answer and I, I can't do it because there's just like you don't understand. There's like these layers and we have to build up. This is the scope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a techie. That's why. I don't know what I am, but I can't explain <laughs> things concisely. <laughs> I'm with you, Matt. That's actually my goal this year. I was told I need to be more concise because I just tell along. Yours is very factual and you probably go through all the things. Mine is like stories and all this stuff. I think, Carm, people make it so complicated. They think it's so complicated. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say. You know, once you get them past the voice part and that, hey, everything you need is in your hand and your phone, the next excuse is, well, I don't really know what to say. And I held this book up. They they Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. It's freaking brilliant. It's exactly what Hunt was just saying. Those questions that people are asking you, have your service advisors just have a little notepad or something. And every time a client is asking a question related to how do I do this or what does this mean when this happens or whatever, just make a list of those questions, turn them into a video, answer your customer's questions on video and then turn it into a blog and it becomes a social media post. And depending on what it is, it's an ad or it's not complicated. 
It is not complicated and people just make it so complicated. Well, all of us are nodding because that's how all of us write our podcasts. It's all like, mm-hmm. all right, everyone says like, well, like you say every topic is you got to ask this question. It's like, because most business owners, if you really look at your customers, you will get asked thousands of questions. There's probably 50 of them that are the same ones over and over. This is what people want to know. Other people are wondering the same things. You've had five people ask it. Another 10 people are too embarrassed to ask it. This is what they want. Exactly. I'm never as good the second time as I am the first time. So I do it the first take. That's what you get. And that's it. Like if I try it the second time and overthink it, I just screw it up. For me, I just turn everything on and go. And that's what you get. Matt, I want to talk to you about technology, the future, training. We cannot not pay attention to that each and every year to rethink what we're doing from that perspective. What do you see? What's the trend? Honestly, I would say it's trending back to in-person. I think we're seeing record numbers at these training events. I think Vision's a record numbers. STX is coming up in April with Worldpack. I think that's a record, setting record numbers to that. I think people are just probably finding that they need to socialize again face-to-face and be in that classroom environment. But we also have these terrific virtual training or learn at your own pace type things like Nap Autotech Training has their website, their portal, probably a portal is a better word. You can learn things at your own pace, super wide topics, ranging from entry level to advanced. You also have the like today's class, which every day asks two or three questions, you answer them and how you answer them dictates what the next question will be. And the idea of the questions isn't to like grade you, it's kind of its own training. So we have a lot of options, but I would say the trend is actually back to in-person training instructor right there in front of you in a classroom type setting. Interestingly enough, even with all these virtual... Well, from a teacher standpoint, I would rather be live instead of in a virtual. It's just, sorry, I'm done. Survive COVID, everything else. And for me personally, I'm making it a point not to do any virtual stuff this year. It's a different class. That was the biggest shift is like, I've done one class where I got hired last minute to do a virtual one and and used an in-person on a virtual. And you quickly realize of normal times where I'm getting questions from the audience, I'm getting feedback. This is a monologue. And Mm -hmm. like, maybe you enjoy this, but I don't enjoy teaching it in this aspect. But I think, Matt, don't you agree that like the training is probably like a microcosm of just our workforce right now? Complete in-person 100% probably doesn't make any sense. For most places, complete virtual 100% makes no sense. I think what you have there is the sweet spot of hybrid. Hey, some of this training should and needs to be done virtually just from a cost standpoint. Physically traveling, the cost of it, the time associated with it, it doesn't make sense to do this every single time. Other aspects of this though is, hey, there is just some things that I can teach in an in-person class that I cannot do virtual. Like it just does not work. And there's a time and place for all of this. You got to get your ROI and the issue is tracking that is very, very difficult. We're going to start seeing more and more is in-person, virtual, all education is there's going to be follow-up questions down the road, maybe working with today's class that help you get an idea of what is this employee? It doesn't necessarily have to be anybody that's attending training. How much are they taking away? Like how much are they really absorbing? And virtual, I think, Initially, the first few minutes, you can take in a lot, but people start to check out, especially if they're doing it at home and live in person. Even it's you do 
people check out, but maybe not quite as often because the instructor's there. And if they're animated in any way or entertaining in any way and they can look at you and interact, it keeps you a little more engaged. But you still don't take away 100%, nowhere near. You need to diversify, like you're saying, to try to maximize that ROI on I'm paying X amount of dollars to send this person a training. How much are they really taking away? We don't track that at all nowadays. I'd like to marry what you're talking about there with regard to training and employees and what they're taking away from it. Obviously, it is a cost. Totally get that. Got to address that. You have to look at that and see if it makes sense. All of that aside, a big piece of it for me being the former school counselor, former teacher, current business owner, HR, is the camaraderie, the company culture, all of that that plays into when they're going away to a training. And I know some shops who, kind of speaking to what you're saying, Matt, with regard to they come back what are they retaining and what are we doing with that information? So many people come back and they don't share it. They hold on to that knowledge. Where's the debriefing where you're taking notes in this class that you're attending, you come back and now you have to present it to your team at your staff meeting or something like that. One of my talking points that I mentioned that I want to connect the dot to this piece is in 2024, or most recently, I've seen a lot more conversation happening in groups than I ever have before with regard to company culture and shop culture and what it feels like to work there and how it partners with technician or employee recruitment and all of that. In 2024, I think that shop owners need to, it comes back to speed of the leader, speed of the team. And how I mentioned earlier, what are you thinking in your head? What are you allowing in your head? Thoughts become words. Words become actions. And whatever you're thinking is going to come out of your mouth and it's going to come out in your behaviors. Your team sees that. So they're going to adopt what you're saying as the leader. And we have to take care of our teams. And we, in order to take care of our teams, we have to take care of ourselves. And you have to offer opportunities for, for your team to bond together, enjoy where they're working. One of our core values is happiness because we believe that eight hours a day is way too long to be miserable. And so I think it's important to really think about maybe these conferences that you're going to have that whole training piece, but don't forget about what is built in. It's just baked in if you're going to together as a shop or just a few people are going because of budget or whatever it might be. So I'm kind of getting on a a soapbox. I, I just created a class on creating customer loyalty. But before I ever go into customer loyalty, I'm talking about team loyalty because you can't address your customers and make them loyal if your team's not. And so I think all those things come together to create this one topic of company culture, making your team feel safe and really taking care of them. I want to go back to you, Matt. As you're connected, you're you're at these conferences, are you seeing that the ownership of our great independent shops in the U.S., they're having a higher degree of commitment to training for their people than ever? There is certainly a large percentage of them that are. And it's a really, really interesting dichotomy because there's a lot of whatever you want to call them, good shops. And I think that number or slice of the pie of those good shops is growing, but they are trying very hard to provide education, training, ongoing training, both with what the day-to-day operations are. So if you're a technician and they're sending you to technical type of classes, but also finding out that if you're interested in photography, giving you a way to maybe go to like a community ed type thing and funding that as well. They're just having a hard time getting takers, which is very crazy to me that there are some very, very, what's the word? Like 
ownership that has vision down the road. They're long-term planning. They're trying to give everyone the tools, including themselves, to succeed. And then sometimes having a rough time getting the team to jump on board. It's kind of crazy, actually. You see that a ton. Like, yeah, I cannot get my people to go to trading, but that probably goes back to what Kim's talking about. We're going to give our customers what they want. Are you really rewarding your team in the way that they want to be rewarded? Because Matt, you speak to, you know, obviously the owners, but a lot of the team of these ownerships. And I see most of my communication, most of Kim and most of Chris is all from the ownership side. And I think that a lot of people might not be aware of the disconnect of how some of this stuff, management training specifically is looked at from owners versus technicians. The technicians, the owners coming back from a management training event, because a lot of them look at this as, hey, you're just trying to make more money. You're going to have all these ideas. It's not going to make my job any better. It probably will make you more money, but what it's in it for me. If you're talking about team culture, you got to look at a lot of this stuff of, is it really that's what's going on or that's the perception? Matt went away to training and I think he's going to try and do this, but it's probably, hey, you're not going back. You're not debriefing the team. This is why we're working on this. This is why I want to try to make this better because I assure you most owners ultimate goal is well, I want to make more profit in spite of anyone having a good time here. Everyone's trying for that magic win-win, but it's a little bit harder than I, people. Think. I would say that's 100% correct, but I would knowing shop owners like I know shop owners, maybe 5% of them are super uber ultra profit driven. The rest of them want a good shop for their customers. Yeah. They want a good shop for their employees. They're trying to better their family. But again, what you said, they don't talk about it. They don't tell people why we're doing this. And they try to do too much at once. I remember the first class I ever went to, I had like a legal pad with a hundred different things on there I wanted to do. I tried to implement them in the first hour I was back, right? Like all of them. You can't give people more than two, three things at a time to change, if that many, or their heads explode. But you got to get them to own them too. They just can't be yours. Right. And so back to the virtual training for just a second. Number one, numbers on STX is it's going to be 45% larger this year than last year. And all of them are increasing. But the virtual training, I've never seen or never had as many shops take it upon themselves and provide training to their technicians during the workday. And what we're doing is we're having a lunch and learn where we get technical trainer from the industry. And a lot of my shops have these carts set up where they've got PicoScopes, they've got TV or computer with video. They've got the owls. And when this trainer comes in, they're like, this car's really been kicking our tail. Can you help us with it? And they do like a live run through on it where they connect the Pico scoop through it. They look at it together and they're doing that. Like I've never had as many shops to do that. And I've even got little clusters where we've got some in the Pacific time zone where we've got four shops together doing it. And then Mountain, Central, and East Coast, it's out there. And with what we have at our disposal, if you can dream it up, you can pretty much do it as far as training goes for your technicians at this point. Chris, so your Lunch and Learn is with a virtual trainer that is becoming intimate with the group that's right there. Right. And then just for like, I don't know anything about cars technically. Like I can sell stuff. I can do whatever. I'm the last person you want working on your car, but the first person you want working on your business. One of the shops had a Honda Del Sol that was just killing them. First of all, why they had a Honda Del Sol, yeah, I don't know. I would, <laughs> that I would was my never, first question. Was it Minnesota? 
Yeah, I would have never brought that in, but they had it for two weeks before they brought it up to the lunch and learn and they brought it in, hooked it up to the Pico scope. It was some sort of an injection issue. The trainer had it dialed in in 30 minutes. And so if they would have known how to do that earlier than they could have done it, but now they do moving forward. So it's amazing what we have at our quick, disposal now. Quick Just idea. Save money and set it on fire. A quick idea about the management or owner coming back from training. If their background is an auto repair, sometimes the comparing your business to a car works out pretty well. In those cases, I think that's where it falls apart. Because if you bring your car to the brake squeal, if you do a brake job, replace the linings and whatever, it's going to take care of that issue and the car is going to take off and be just fine. But that's really not how businesses work generally. I mean, sometimes just everything's humming along pretty good, but you got these few issues. Maybe this very targeted repair, if you will, works. I guess I can't get away from organization and organism. And we need to think about our businesses more like a living body with a bunch of symbiotic systems. And you don't necessarily go in and fix one thing. If you have heart issues and we know that you have a cardio infarction that we have to address with maybe a stent or a bypass surgery. Okay, we could go in and do that. You do the angiogram, find the infarction, bang, put in the stent and away you go. You might be okay, but there's a bunch of reasons why that probably happened and will happen again. And statistically, it went up that it's going to happen again if you don't change these other things. So now we have to do more stuff that's more global, like addresses the entire system. And I think what happens too often is management with background specifically in auto repair is thinking like, I can take this and this. Sounds really good. And we can just change it. Let's change how the techs are paid. Let's change how the service advisors are paid. And that will fix a lot of problems. But they don't address all the other issues. And that's why you get employees that get really annoyed or stressed out when managers come back from training because they're going to pick out these singular things that don't address the big picture. And it won't work the way they think it will, but it'll stress everyone else or make their jobs worse. But Matt, switching my shop management software alone is not just going <laughs> to fix my productivity issue overnight. Oh, I hate talking about productivity because I just get overwhelmed with all the possibilities of what affects it. it makes me nervous talking about Well, it's about just technicians being lazy and taking too That's it. That's the only solution. Bigger carrots, dang it. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and supporting the Aftermarket Radio Network. Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z, some of the most profound and personal uh, solo discussions uh, from Matt's. Find out the complicated mind think that he has. Love him to death. Hunt Demarest. A business by the numbers podcast, brilliant stuff. I learned I learned tons of stuff by listening to Hunt Coach Chris Cotton from the Weekly Blitz. Uh, Chris, thank you for your weekly passion. It's uh, just great, great content. And of course, Kim and Brian Walker from the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. You guys are pushing the envelope in all of your great content and in your thoughts. So thank you for coming here and and doing this. We should actually do this at least another time during the year. We should do a. We're halfway through the year. What kind of lesson? have we learned as influencers in the industry and what can we share with people? So maybe waiting one year is not the proper medicine here for our industry. So thank you. Thank you all for the Outlook 2024. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.